Hi, it's Meg Brown, Global Health Commissioning Editor for ADC. I'm really pleased to be able to welcome Natalie McDermott, who's a Wellcome Trust Clinical Research Fellow at Imperial, um, who co-wrote a fascinating recent paper on viral hemorrhagic fevers. I was really keen to get this out to a wider audience, and Natalie kindly agreed to um, to uh, talk about the paper today and her her experience in this field. So welcome, Natalie. Thank you. I wonder whether we could start um, with just some uh, general background for those who uh, are, are less familiar with VHS than, than you, and just talk about the um, worldwide epidemiology and disease phenotypes of the main viral hemorrhagic fevers. Um, yeah, so uh, as we've discussed in our paper, um, viral hemorrhagic fevers encompass a very broad spectrum of viruses. Uh, these are viruses which cause a severe multi-system syndrome with vascular dysregulation and damage, and in some cases that can result in overt hemorrhage. Um, the main viruses are classified into four families of viruses, uh, which are the Arenaviridae, the Filoviridae, Bunyaviridae, and Flaviviridae. The ones that we've mainly discussed in our paper are ones that the UK Advisory Committee on Dangerous Pathogens have classified as Group 4 pathogens uh, because of their uh, significant mortality rates and their potential for spread within healthcare settings and, and also having significant public health implications. Um, so we've largely talked about the, the filoviridae, Ebola virus disease, uh, and Marburg virus. Um, but then we've also talked about the arenaviridae. Uh, in particular, we've focused on Lassa fever because that is uh, more common uh, than some of the South American arenaviruses, of, of which there are, there are many which are listed in a table in our paper. And then we've also talked about the bunyaviridae, particularly Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. Uh, and we've touched a little bit on the flaviviridae, uh, but most of the flaviviridae, such as yellow fever and dengue viruses, are not known to be spread within healthcare settings. Uh, there are some lesser well-known flaviviridae, uh, such as OMPS, Kyacinur, and Alcoma hemorrhagic fever viruses, uh, and these have only been present so far in small numbers, and it's not very clear yet whether they are transmitted in healthcare settings. So we've touched on, on them a little bit. Um, we do know definitively that laboratory transmission of those viruses can occur, uh, but there hasn't been direct uh, nosocomial transmission seen within healthcare settings. Viral hemorrhagic fevers uh, are present uh, throughout the world, really, uh, depending on which family of viruses you talk about. So the filoviridae are particularly prevalent throughout Africa, uh, Ebola being particularly present in uh, Central, East, and West Africa, uh, and Marburg being mainly known to be present in East Africa and then going right down to South Africa. Um, it has not so far been identified in West Africa, uh, but that, that's not to say that it may not be there since we weren't aware Ebola virus was present in West Africa until a couple of years ago. The arena viruses um, are present uh, throughout West Africa, that's Lassa fever in particular, uh, and then Zambia has recently demonstrated a new uh, arena virus which has been called Lujovirus. Uh, and then the South American arena viruses uh, are present very specifically in, in certain countries uh, in South America. And I would advise you to look at the map in our paper to determine uh, where they're from. Those uh, viruses are Junin virus, Machupo, Guanarito, Sabia, Chapare um, viruses, and they are present in different South American countries. The 
uh, Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever virus is actually present uh, quite diffusely throughout uh, many parts of Africa, so uh, West, East and Southern Africa, and then also in the Middle East, uh, the far east of uh, Europe and into Turkey, and then also crossing uh, as far uh, over as Pakistan, and there have recently, uh, only in the last couple of years, been some cases reported in India. In terms of the flaviviruses, uh, obviously we have a very big yellow fever epidemic occurring in Angola at the moment, uh, and that has subsequently uh, had some cases in uh, Democratic Republic of Congo that has spread there, and now we've got uh, ongoing transmission in the DRC, it would appear, but only in small numbers. Uh, and then also um, in Uganda, although that seems to be separate to the current uh, Angola epidemic that's ongoing. Um, in terms of OMSC, we see it spreading right across from Eastern Europe throughout Siberia um, to as far as, as uh, the most um, eastern part of uh, Siberia. Uh, with Karnasur, that's mainly seen in India and um, in northern parts of, uh, well, northwestern parts of China to, and, and Southeast Asia, where it comes close to the border with India. Uh, and then Alkurma has uh, been very specifically identified so far in Egypt and parts of the Middle East. And, and in terms of, thanks very much, that's so, it's pretty ubiquitous, as a group, they're pretty ubiquitous. Are, are there any uh, similarities in disease phenotype between them all? Um, so many of the viral hemorrhagic fevers do present in a very similar fashion, but uh, also often have their own uh, unique set of symptoms that might uh, identify them more one from another. The, the general uh, presentations are with fever and myalgia uh, and arthralgia, uh, and then in uh, certainly in the filoviridae, we see people presenting with profuse diarrhea, um, particularly in this most recent uh, Ebola epidemic uh, that has been one of the cardinal features um, resulting in hypovolemia, it's been so profuse, uh, and then also vomiting. And then in Ebola virus disease, we see people present with hiccups sometimes, uh, and marked conjunctival injection have also been a, a big feature of this West African epidemic. Uh, and then in a, a certain percentage of patients, which varies greatly, but in the current epidemic, it looks about 10% or so of patients have had profuse hemorrhage or hemorrhagic symptoms, which can be bleeding from the nose or the gum or bleeding from around IV sites or hemorrhagic diarrhea. Uh, and in some cases, a profuse hemorrhagic event has been what has resulted in death. Uh, Marburg presents in a very similar fashion, although there have been uh, fewer and much smaller epidemics of Marburg disease in which to characterize um, the disease. Uh, Lassa fever uh, presents maybe in a similar fashion in terms of the fever and myalgia, arthralgia and sore throat. But actually we, we see that with Lassa a large number of cases, uh, there's approximately 300,000 cases in West Africa each year, but a large number of them may be asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic and just present as a mild febrile illness. However, in some cases, people go on to develop severe disease, which can present with hemorrhage. Uh, and in children, uh, a, uh, well, and also adults, some adults develop gross edema, but in children, uh, a syndrome such as swollen baby syndrome has been described from uh, Liberia. That was described in the 1980s, where children get uh, very large pleurofusions and ascites, uh, and it has a very high mortality rate. The South American uh, arena viruses have been less well characterized, but generally present with similar features such as fever, headache, myalgia, uh, vomiting, uh, and sometimes progress to hemorrhage as well. 
Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever is again very similar but actually has a higher preponderance for hemorrhagic symptoms, particularly bleeding from the nose and gums and maybe melina also. Um, it presents with a much milder disease though in children and the case fatality rate, whilst listed as 30%, that is for adults and it's actually uh, approximately 5% in children less than 18 years. Okay, and in terms of um, specific treatment, my, my understanding is that most of the treatment, for most of these anyway, is largely supportive, in looking after fluids, a coagulopathy, and as far as I know, there are a few specific antidotes or antivirals. Is that right? Um, yes, that's right. So essentially treatment for all of them is uh, largely supportive uh, and often requires, particularly in Ebola virus disease, very high volumes of fluid to replace losses. There is one uh, antiviral medication that's used um, in some of the arena viruses, which is ribavirin, and that has been shown to be effective in Lassa fever um, if given within the first few days of symptoms. Uh, once the viral load becomes higher, ribavirin is, is seen to be less effective in Lassa. Um, it's thought that it would also be useful in all of the arena viruses, so the South American arena viruses as well, but there haven't been enough cases to, to demonstrate good efficacy yet. Uh, it's also used in Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. Again, given in the early stages of the disease, it is thought to be beneficial, but there's actually uh, quite a lot of contention over that. But at the moment, the World Health Organization does advise giving ribavirin in Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. Okay, that's really interesting. And briefly, diagnostic tests, are they largely PCR-based or uh, rapid antigen screens? Um, yes, diagnostic tests are largely PCR-based now. Uh, previously, they've obviously been based on serology, so uh, IgM and IgG-positive serology, uh, but now it's, it's largely um, PCR. Okay. And, and in broad terms, control measures in terms of the vectors, um, what, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, so the, the vectors are, are somewhat varied depending on the viral hemorrhagic fever you're talking about. Obviously, in, in terms of the fila viruses, particularly Ebola virus, we believe that it is fruit bats that may be the, the vector, but obviously they transmit it then to non-human primates and forest antelope who, who also die of the disease. And, and subsequently, transmission could well be through fruit bats or also through non-human primates that are, that are consumed. Again, we also now see actually a sexual transmission of Ebola virus, but that's, a, that's another discussion. Lassa fever is largely transmitted by rodents, as are all of the uh, South American arena viruses. Uh, so obviously, uh, vector control methods are difficult. Uh, for the fila viruses, it would be very difficult to contain the fruit bat population because uh, those fruit bats are also responsible for managing insect levels in the country. So if we were to eliminate large numbers of fruit bats, potentially we uh, breed other diseases uh, such as malaria uh, and other mosquitoes borne diseases. Um, in terms of the arena viruses, uh, rodent control uh, would be important. Uh, we tend to see that actually uh, there are specific seasons for Lassa fever in Africa based on when rodents enter people's properties to start consuming the grain because uh, it's the end of the rainy season and there's less uh, feed for them outside of, um, outside of the house. 
So controlling rodent populations is important, but obviously very difficult in many of the locations in which we find them. Uh, and then Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever virus uh, and some uh, the other Bunyaviridae, as well as also OMPSC and Kaiser, they are transmitted by ticks. Um, so control of tick populations or awareness of preventive measures to prevent yourself being bitten by ticks would be very important. Great. That's really interesting. So it's, it's not as clear-cut as a purely in, in, insect-borne vector disease. Um, what, what does the future hold in terms of specific treatment and, and, and vaccine prevention? Um, so I think uh, mostly we know about that now in, in relation to um, Ebola virus disease. Um, I, there is some research ongoing into Lassa, but there's not extensive research looking at new therapies for the other diseases um, that I'm aware of. There is a vaccine for Chiasinur forest disease, which is uh, somewhat effective and so useful in an epidemic context, uh, but maybe not in terms of a routine background uh, population vaccination scheme. And we now have a potential vaccine for Ebola virus, although that is uh, still being studied and the data is still being published on that. Uh, again, we're not sure of how long the vaccine uh, immunity lasts. Uh, therefore, whether it's useful purely in an epidemic setting or whether it would also be useful for background uh, va uh, vaccination of the background population as well uh, is yet to be determined. Um, in terms of treatments, several treatments were studied for Ebola virus disease uh, in the context of the current epidemic. Uh, unfortunately, many of those trials started quite late in the epidemic and so uh, did not manage to recruit enough participants to achieve statistical significance. A one drug that was studied is called favipiravir. Um, this is an antiviral medication, uh, and uh, it wasn't studied. Well, the, the study was not powered uh, to determine efficacy. It was it was more of a safety study, but it did appear that it may be beneficial in the early stages of Ebola virus disease when viral loads are low. But it was demonstrated that it was not beneficial at uh, stages sort of later stages of the disease when the viral load was very high. Um, so it's a possibility, but the data is still really inconclusive in regards to favipiravir. Antibody-based therapies have been studied, so convalescent plasma. This has been shown to be uh, beneficial in one of the South American arena viruses in Yunin. Uh, it is believed that convalescent plasma is beneficial. It was trialed in the Ebola epidemic and uh, unfortunately doesn't appear to have been beneficial from the studies that were conducted. Um, however, a monoclonal antibody product called ZMAP um, was also produced and available during the Ebola epidemic and underwent a trial which unfortunately didn't recruit enough people to achieve statistical significance but certainly seemed to show benefit uh, uh, to those who received it um, and I think would certainly be considered by the healthcare community uh, at present a, a, a treatment worth giving. There is another product called GS5734 which has been used in a, in a couple of patients with Ebola virus disease uh, and seems to possibly be beneficial but has not gone uh, undergone any kind of uh, randomized controlled trial or even um, safety studies yet. Great, there's far more going on than I was aware of. That's, that's been really interesting, Natalie. Thank you so much for, for talking through your paper and, and expanding upon it. It's been great talking to you. No problem, thank you.